Welcome to the Profit Cast. I'm the coach, Levi Landrigan. And I'm the player, Luke McCark. And we're here to bring you our unique perspective on local, college, and pro sports. So join us as we dive into the headlines and stories that you need to know. Welcome back, ProfitCast fans. It's Luke and Levi here to talk a little NBA playoff action. So far, since we last recorded, the Boston Celtics, Luke's favorite team, have swept the Brooklyn Nets. Not what I thought would happen, but it is what happened. And the Miami Heat advanced to the second round, winning their series against Atlanta 4-1. to All the other series are in process. We will keep you updated as they unfold. Luke, tell us a little bit about your favorite team. How'd they do against the Nets? Yeah, so it was a fun series to watch. Um, all four games were close, at least score-wise. In the first game, it was won on a Tatum buzzer beater where he spun around and hit it at the buzzer. It was pretty cool to watch. And then the next game, they came back from a 17-point deficit to defeat the aforementioned Nets. And then the last two games were both ended up being close, but never felt close. Yeah, the games all kind of felt the same. Boston played shutdown defense. Um, Jason Tatum shut down Kevin Durant like nobody has before. He really did a good job defending him. And Boston just did a good job playing team basketball and defense. It was really quite the contrast because the Nets are all talent, all offense, and Boston is team basketball, smartly coached team hard physical they were knocking Durant around he's he's a skinny guy he's a lot of people gave him the excuse when he was young when he was early in the league but he's been in the league for a long time now and he hasn't gotten any bigger any thicker a lot of people think he doesn't lift during the offseason but all that to say talent gets beat by hard work uh if if your talent doesn't work hard it's gonna lose it's not enough to just be talented Hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. Exactly. So all of you that want to be winners out there, it's not about talent. If you're not the most talented, you can still be the hardest worker. And being the hardest worker doesn't always get you there, but it does in a lot of situations. So keep working hard, and you can be like the Boston Celtics taking down the Brooklyn Right before we started recording, I asked Luke if he was ready to talk NFL Draft, and he said, I'm always ready to talk NFL Draft. If you've been listening to the Players Preview, the other show here on the ProfitCast Network, you will have heard some of his takes on the NFL Draft coming up tomorrow night. We're really excited about it to see where these players land and what these teams do. So now we are going to look at Luke's mock draft and talk about, uh, kind of give you some of our thoughts so this will be a little bit of an extension of the most previous players preview, but you'll get the coach's take as well. So Luke, why don't you kick us off with the NFL draft coming tomorrow? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, so uh, I'm excited to see where the quarterbacks go, first yeah. of all. Um, I had Pickett going to the Panthers at 6 and Willis going to the Steelers at 20. Now I'll say it once again. This is my mock draft is not about what I think should happen, but what I think will happen. Right. So if you listen to my quarterbacks episode, you will know that I do not think Malik Willis is better than Matt Corral, and I don't think he should be a first round pick. But I do think he end up will end up being a first round pick because he has so much upside, and I have him going at twenty to the Steelers. 
but it's just as well possible that he goes at, at six to the Panthers or even at two to the Lions. One of my favorite things about the draft is seeing what different teams do and how they do it. Because a lot of the story of the NFL starts here. And the NFL draft doesn't so much tell you which team is going to be more talented, which team is going to be more special. It shows you what their GM values. A lot of teams can, you can see their intentions by who they draft. You can see what they're working towards or what positions they prioritize. And some teams like the Los Angeles Rams, they don't even have a pick in the first round. They do not view their picks as very important because they really emphasize getting veteran players, finding guys that know how to win. And we've seen that pay off for them in them winning a Super Bowl this last year. They are different than a lot of other NFL franchises. They actually came up with a fun little motto on how to say, we don't care about our picks. So all that to say, we will we will learn a lot more about these teams, these organizations, these businesses when we see how they draft. And I think that's what brings the quarterback position to be so interesting this year because in my opinion, there really aren't any good quarterbacks that should be taken in the first round. If you really need a quarterback, then I don't see any of these guys being a better solution for next year for you than Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield. And both of those guys are still on the free market. They're still available, but teams are not making aggressive moves towards them. Perhaps they have some intel on Pickett or Willis or one of these other or Carroll or anybody like that. But it'll be interesting to see how they all turn out um, with the quarterback position. Definitely the most important position. But what do you think about that, Luke? Now, I, w- I will push back a little bit on the uh, there are no quarterbacks that should be taken in in the first round in a normal draft because if you look statistic wise at Kenny Pickett versus some of the quarterbacks last year as you look at my spreadsheet from last year you can see some of the stats and you can compare them to Kenny Pickett's and Pickett has very similar and better stats than some of the guys who were taken in the first round uh I know Trey Lance for one had much worse statistic Mm -hmm. production than Kenny Pickett and even like with arguably easier competition that uh, mm-hmm. Trey Lance was going up against. Yeah. And even like um, you say, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, they aren't a whole lot better statistically than Kenny Pickett. But I will say this though. Do you think that Trey Lance was the right guy to pick at number three last year? I also think that he was not the right guy to pick at number three. I don't think that he was the original plan when they traded up for that. Um, I've heard different people say that they wanted Mac Jones, but they got pressured into picking Trey Lance because they thought he was better than Mac Jones, even though Mac Jones would have fit better in Kyle Shanahan's offense. I don't know for sure on that one. Nobody knows what conversations were being had behind closed doors in San Francisco. But the drafting of Trey Lance trading up to get him and then having him sit behind Garoppolo all year. And they're still not super confident that he's the go-to guy this year makes me think that that was not the right thing for the Niners to do last year. Yeah. And and you look at before Tom Brady came out of retirement, you're looking at similar ways, Kyle Trask coming and quarterbacking the Buccaneers as you are Trey Lance quarterbacking the 49ers. Yeah. And that might tell you a little bit of something. Yeah, I think so. So it will be interesting. And I think I think it will only time will tell. 
Kenny Pickett could be somebody that really goes to the NFL and succeeds. He was a proven winner in college. He had, like Luke said, really good stats. But we really don't know until he gets there with so many of these guys. And that's really what the NFL draft is. It's a big guessing game. Yeah. And a lot of these guys are really good on paper, and you can convince yourselves that they're they're the best of this year. But it really does flow up and down year to year. Sometimes there are draft classes that are loaded. Sometimes there are draft classes that are are less loaded. This one looks to be a little bit weaker. That's just what a lot of the experts are saying. But Mm -hmm. again, only time will tell. And I think arguably one of the most important things that teams can do is get these guys in their buildings, have meetings with them, see what kind of teammate they're going to be, talk to their coaches, talk to their high school coaches, talk to some of their teammates and say, hey, what is Kenny Pickett like in the locker room? Does he make guys, does he make his offensive linemen want to block for him? What kind of leader is Aiden Hutchinson? Is he the type of guy that can go into the locker room at Jacksonville, go into a losing culture and help them turn things around? Or is he just a guy that's really good at getting to the quarterback? Because if you're if you're Jacksonville and you're picking number one, you don't just want the most talented person. You want someone that's going to help you turn your franchise around. Because Jacksonville has been losing for so long, you have to have those other X factors available as well. Yeah. And uh, as far as the class itself, this is a very good class to get either an edge rusher or an offensive tackle Yeah. in the first round. I actually did a version of my mock draft where I had the first three picks all being edge rushers. And three of my first four picks are edge rushers in my final copy with Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, and Kayvon Thibodeau. Now, let me pick your brain here real quick, Luke. If you were an NFL team that didn't have any glaring needs, but you were just picking on positions based on not what was available, but what was most important to the NFL game in the year 2022, what would be the three or four positions that you would start to pick with? And what would be the three or four positions that you would not want to pick? And this this is a really tough question to answer because there it's really really dependent on draft needs. Um, that being said, I'd say left tackle is very important. Mm-hmm. The offensive line is tricky because you have five guys and you're only as strong as your weakest link. Exactly. So I would say offensive line wouldn't quite be your top priority unless you had four guys that you can believe in one weak link but and obviously you can't fix a weak offensive line unit in one draft but that is a position that's important very important to the game but it's hard to pick it's hard to fix with just one pick yeah quarterback obviously Obviously. vital most important position in the game Mm -hmm. running back is tough because it's really important that you have a good running back, but it's really hard to draft a good one because they can get hurt. It's mm-hmm. such a it's such a variable position. They're still the players that get the most hits and get the most injured in the game now. Yeah. The game has done a lot to protect quarterbacks and wide receivers and make them have longer careers, but your running backs are still the guys that are running right up the gut, getting hit in the legs, getting hit in the knees, getting hit in the head. We're still trying to make the game safer, but running backs still take a, a lot of the beating. Yeah, and that's why in my mock draft, I don't have any running backs mm-hmm. taken in the first round. 
it's a little bit tricky because I thought about giving Brees Hall to the Buccaneers. There are a couple teams that Brees Hall could fit in well at, but it's such it's so tricky because it's such a hard position to get right. But if I'm if I'm just gonna go ahead and say the most important positions to your success, I'd say it's very important to have a pass rusher who can get to the quarterback and make a quarterback's life difficult and just make things harder. And it's another it's similar to the offensive line in the fact that you're only as strong as your weakest link. Right. If you can just match up your edge rusher against your the best offensive lineman and they just butt heads and then obvious all of a sudden the quarterback has an easy day because you have your best offensive lineman blocking your best pass rusher. And similar, left tackle is the most important position on the line because it protects the quarterback's blind side, but it's hard because of the unit. And quarterback is the most important that position that you need to succeed. Exactly. I, I would agree with all of those takes. Um, I think that left tackle is incredibly important. The entire offensive line is a very important unit. Quarterback is the most important position. But because the quarterback position is so important, that's why it's so good to have a solid edge rush. You also need to have a good lockdown corner. The league is full of wide receivers that have a lot of talent, a lot of speed, and and score a lot of touchdowns. The rules of the game help wide receivers out. So that's why I think it's more important to have a good lockdown corner than it is to have a good wide receiver. The game favors the wide receiver, so you need to have a better corner than a wide receiver if you really want to succeed, if you really want to shut down the opposing team's offense. Get to the quarterback if you can, but have those guys covered up. A lot of times we call that uh, coverage blitzes, coverage sacks. If you're locking down all the receivers so that the quarterback has nobody open, eventually it gives your line more time to get to him and get that quarterback on the ground. Yes, and corner is a tough position. If you have one lockdown corner, you'll be fine in about 50% of your games. But if you ever face up against a team that has more than one good wide receiver, then you get into hot water and it becomes more of a position like the defensive line where you need to have a unit. Exactly. And ultimately, that's the way it is with all of it. Football is a team sport. There are some positions that affect the game a little bit more than the rest, but ultimately, that's where coaching comes in. If you have a coach like Bill Belichick, he's able to take your game film and dissect it down and find your weakest link and expose it. That's what the really good coaches do. They attack the weak links. Like Luke said, if there's one offensive lineman that's not good, they'll design blitzes that get around to it. If they have uh, wide receivers that can't keep up with the coverage, they're going to shut them down, make sure they don't catch any passes. And you can even see evidence of that in the NFC Championship game. The Buccaneers had the best, one of the best right tackles in football in Tristan Wirfs. He had an injury, and and Sean McVay was able to adjust his line scheme so that Aaron Donald was lined up against Josh Wells on certain plays. Von Miller was lined up on the backup right tackle, and he was able to scheme it so that there was no plays off for that backup right tackle. Yes, just making the game difficult for them and having depth too, because that's the thing. If you have a really good offensive line, what happens if a guy like Wirfs gets hurt? You need to have not just good strength at every unit but you need to have backups that are competitive as well 
So with the draft coming up tomorrow, Luke, run us through some of your picks. Talk a little bit about what we are going to be looking for tomorrow. Yeah, and we start right at the top. Aiden Hutchinson is who I gave to the Jaguars. Trayvon Walker is actually the favorite. He just jumped over Aiden Hutchinson in the sportsbook odds to be the number one pick. And that's really hard to believe for me because I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be the number one overall pick because you can't argue with production. He was so productive in college. Walker had decent production, but it was nothing like Hutchinson, like half as many sacks, like half as many tackles. And part of that is because Georgia had a great defense. Mm -hmm. But I would still say you have to go with production. And it's not like Aiden Hutchinson has no upside either. He has great potential to be a pro bowler, whatever, maybe not quite so much as Walker. But Walker even doesn't have that great of a pass rush potential. He's more of a guy that's going to set the edge and shut down the run at his peak. It'll be interesting to see which one of those edge rushers goes to Jacksonville and and what's making them think that, what's making them switch those odds. Maybe it is some of those behind-the-door meetings about who's got the better leadership quality over production. Yeah. Next pick, I gave the Lions Ahmad Gardner. That's another tough pick because the Lions have a lot of needs. Malik Willis could go there. That's a thing that's often mocked. Gardner's often mocked. You could even go and the next best pass rusher there. I'd say if Jacksonville takes Trayvon Walker, that pick's coming in real fast. That's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. So it really it depends on who Jacksonville picks to some extent, but I think cornerback's a big enough need that they will take Gardner if Hutchinson goes one. Je- uh, the Texans could pretty much go any position. They're pretty much bad at every position. They need a lot of help. <laughs> I, I, I do think that the Lions could make quite a jump this year if they draft well enough. They they are talent deficient, but I think their coach is actually pretty good at motivating his players to get the best out of them that he can. They were close in a lot of games last year. They played the Super Bowl champions all four quarters really closely. So if they get a little bit more talent, if they draft well and get some help where they desperately need it, you could see them turn it around in a weaker NFC North and really compete well this year. Yep. And then the first lineman I had off the board was number five with Iki Aquanu. Now, offensive line and defensive back are the two positions that I don't actually evaluate because they're offensive line because there aren't really many stats that I have access to that I can evaluate. And corner because if they're doing their job, nobody's throwing it in their direction, so the stats lie a lot. So... And you go past that, Kenny Pickett is the first quarterback I have going off the board at six. We'll learn a lot about Carolina after that pick. Mm Mm-hmm. Pick seven, I had Jermaine Johnson going to the Giants. And he is one of my two picks that I didn't really get to talk a lot about in my previous episodes. But he is one of the prospects I'm really excited about. He had so much production at Florida State. It's really exciting, and I think he's going to have a great career, even possibly better than Thibodeau and Walker. And that is with the Giants again. The Giants have two picks in the top seven. So it, I think they should keep those. Obviously, you could trade one of those pretty easily and still get some good talent, but they really need the help in New York. 
So I would keep both of those if I was the Giants. But all of this could be different. And that's part of the fun thing about the draft, too. It's all one big guessing game, but there's a lot of trades and things that could be affected on draft day. Who's taking my pick? Who's taking uh, my spot? Everything like that. It's really fun to watch. Yeah, and mock drafts are incredibly difficult. Great mock drafts maybe get five right. Right. It's, it's ridiculous because one pick Until can change today. the whole draft. Until today, all 32 of these picks are 32 for 32 right here on the ProfitCast. Yeah. yeah, guarantee it. And uh, number 10, I gave Garrett Wilson to the Jets. He's my best receiver in the class, and I think he will be the first receiver off the board because he has so much potential, and you put that together with really good production. So Wilson, I gave to the Jets. They need a receiver for sure. They got Elijah Moore last year. Worked out decent. They still need help. And then Kyle Hamilton went at 11 to the Commanders. He could potentially go higher than that. He's one of the better safeties that we've seen in the last few years. Last year, there was just one safety taken. There was probably just going to be one safety taken this year. But Morig ended up going. I think he might actually slid out of the first round now that I think about it. And uh, Hamilton went at, I have going at 11. He could very easily go higher than that. But I think he, he can fall down to Washington at that point. Safety and then center. We talked a lot about how the offensive line is really important. But it seems like safeties and centers, you might have one taken in the first round. But a lot of times you can find guys that can fill those positions and do a better job easier than you can find a really dynamic edge rusher. So that's why a lot of times those edge rushers are taken. It doesn't mean necessarily that safeties and centers are less important to the game. It just talks a little bit about their availability and where they should get drafted and how much they get paid and everything. Lots of factors to it. But it is always interesting to see which positions are are typically less highly drafted um, in those classes and orders. Yes, and pick number 12 is kind of a pivotal, a pivotal pick in this mock draft because I gave the Vikings Jordan Davis, and that has a domino effect because once you get towards these later picks, teams like, say, the Buccaneers or the Bills – Teams that need defensive linemen, all of a sudden they're all gone. And they're like, what do we do? So that kind of has a domino effect. I decided to err when I when I had a decision of is it going to be the best player available or is it going to be the somebody who fits the needs of that team, I tended to err towards the edge of team needs than right. towards best player available. And that's kind of where the Jordan Davis pick comes from. I think the Vikings need a defensive lineman real bad. And ultimately that call comes down to the GM. So mm-hmm. sometimes you can have disagreements even between the coach and the GM on what they should do with their draft. And they pick best available instead of what the team needs. And then you're stuck with a talented guy. You have to pay a lot of money to that. You don't really need. So the good organizations, the teams that flow really well and win a lot are the teams that are on the same page, coaching GM locker room all together for the same goal. Right. And 13, the Texans have another pick that they got via Cleveland. I gave him Charles Cross. That would be great for them if he fell all that way down. 
If they walk away with Charles Cross and Trayvon Walker, that's a good draft for them. Like I said, they need every position. They sure do. And then 14 is the other prospect that I'm really excited about. Devin Lloyd, I think, is going to have a great career at linebacker, and I think that career is going to be in Baltimore. Now, that is pretty high for a linebacker. Linebackers tend to go lower in the draft. I don't know why, because I think linebacker is a very important position. They're the guys that they can make your defensive line look real good. They can make your safeties look good because they're going to be that buffer that's going to save touchdowns. They're the guy that they're the guys that are filling the holes, tackling your running backs, blitzing, getting your safeties, dropping into coverage. They're so verse there's such a it's such a versatile position. And I think it's really important for teams to have good linebackers. But for some reason, they end up going a little bit lower. I think it's often because there's there's very few actual true grade A linebackers. They don't come every year. You can you can get an edge rusher. You can coach him up. If he's got the right tools, you can teach him how to affect the game of football. But you have to have a really special linebacker that can be back there, that can be big enough to stop the run, but fast enough to shut down the passing game. It used to be that you could line up a linebacker on a tight end, and it was a pretty even matchup. But the way that these tight ends have been playing in recent years, they're like wide receivers but taller. And they can just really change up the dynamic of an offense. And it makes it much more difficult for a linebacker to cover them. But when you look at the game of football, if you can get a linebacker like Ryan Erlacher, Ray Lewis, Luke Keekley, Junior Seau, like those guys can just totally change the dynamic of your entire team. So if Lloyd is a guy like that, Baltimore is a great place for linebackers to succeed. It could really help them out on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, Lloyd's, like I said, another player with great production. Got a lot of sacks. I think he had eight last year, which is like defensive line type production. That's more than Kayvon Thibodeau and Trayvon Walker had Yeah, separately. Um, and I'll go a little bit farther in pick 17. I have another defensive lineman going off the board to the Chargers. Gave him Devontae Wyatt, the other Georgia interior defensive lineman. And that's another effect, side effect of Davis going at 12. It just moves everybody one up one notch. That's a spot where Davis might go. But because he's already gone, Wyatt gets taken there. And then all of a sudden, all that's left is Travis Jones for interior defensive linemen. We go a little bit deeper yet and pick number 19 i have chris olave the other ohio state wide receiver he's the third off the board and he is production 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 and that's why you're drafting him he doesn't have real a lot of flaws other than he doesn't have quite as much upside and uh i think if the saints take him they're going to try to move off michael thomas yes which i think they should do yeah he's uh they have a tough relationship going on with him, and I think Olave can do a lot of similar things to Michael Thomas. The Saints are at a really interesting turning point this year. Last year was their first year without Drew Brees. This will be their first year without Sean Payton. If they get the right tools in place and they make a clean break from some of that old good but successful but but not here anymore, if they make a clean break from that and move forward with an aggressive running game, smart quarterback play, 
good defense. They could be just fine, but they could turn into a bad team really quick too. Yeah, so a tough situation there. Keep in mind, with that pick, they did address offensive line at pick 16. I gave them Trevor Penning of Northern Iowa. So given that they got the quote-unquote boring stuff out of the way, they get to take a flashy player at 19. Pick number 20 is Malik Willis. I discussed him already a little bit. I think Pittsburgh's a great place for him to succeed because he gets to sit back, refine his game a little bit. If they if if it's if he's not quite pro ready enough, he can refine his game a little bit. Let Trubisky take the main stage, and if they and if he doesn't have it, they can go get a guy in free agency next year, or they can draft another quarterback in a better quarterback draft next year. And with Mitch Trubisky as your starting quarterback. He's good. He can he can get you there. He's made it to the playoffs twice. But he's also the type of guy that a first-round draft quarterback could go in and compete and try to take the job away for. So if you have an open competition, that can really get the best out of both players. Yeah. And then we go another couple picks farther. Jam- Jamison Williams falls to the Packers at 22. If I was a Packers fan, I would be ecstatic to get him at 22. You need a wide receiver, that's for sure. Yes, and uh, he could go earlier for sure. The way mine shook out, he ended up being the fourth wide receiver off the board because he is specifically a deep threat and is not qu- doesn't quite have as much of a refined skill set as, say, Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson. And pick 23 was Tyler Linderbaum, the Remington Award winner at center. Get that offensive line anchored down a little bit for Kyler Murray. Possibly, if he comes back. Possibly. (laughs) Kyler Murray's having a little bit of drama right now, so we'll we'll see see. if he's back there. But they'll need to protect a quarterback, whether it's him or somebody else. So good pick on the offensive line for the Cardinals if they go that direction. Yeah. Pick 24 is Travis Jones. That's the final domino that falls. And all of a sudden, Buffalo's a little bit stranded. Tampa Bay is a little bit stranded if Nadamkin Sue doesn't come back. So right there, it makes life a lot harder for the teams in picks 25 through 32 and even into the second round. Traylon Burks I had going at 25 to the Bills. And then I had back-to-back guards going with Zion Williams and Kenyon Green. Uh, Johnson can help anchor down that Tennessee line. Green I had going to Tampa Bay because Ali Marpet retired, so they need a guard. They have a guy who can get the job done, so that could be a spot for Brees Hall to land because they would get the pick of the litter there, guarantee it. Who knows if one of those running backs falls to them in round two. And then Trent McDuffie is really the biggest faller of this class. He usually goes right around 14 to Baltimore. I don't see that happening because I think they're just fine with Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. And then we go to pick 31. I gave them Leo Chanel once again. Could happen, could not. Depends on how much teams value those linebackers. Exactly. 
Well, here at the Profit Cast, we promise you the best of professional, collegiate, and local sports. So we talked about pro sports. Now it's time for a little college. We love our Huskers here, and Husker volleyball is something that the whole state gets excited about. The Nebraska volleyball team played an exhibition match against Kansas in Grand Island. And this is what I love about Nebraska and our fans here. Even though it was an exhibition game, a game that didn't count, it was in Grand Island. 80 miles from their home location. They sold out the Heartland Event Center in 18 minutes. They had so many people there just pumped and excited to go watch volleyball. I went, I took my wife, and we had a lot of fun watching what this team could look like next year. We lost some great senior leadership. Lauren Stiverens, notably, just she was so good to our offense and, and defense for so long. And you could definitely feel that she was missing. Nebraska came out and ultimately beat Kansas in four sets. Took the first. Kansas took the second. It was pretty close. But then Nebraska started pouring it on and really figuring things out. I would watch this year for Maddie Kubik to take a big step up. Because when we needed a kill, when we needed a point, she was the one that they went to. Maddie Kubik went up and hit the ball and got it to the floor. Nicklin Hames was still running at the setter position. This is her last year of eligibility. It's that extra COVID eligibility. She said that she was coming back. She also said that it was probably going to be in a different position. We have a few new transfers and recruits coming in. So not sure if she will be still setting the ball come fall season, but she will definitely be on the team and she's a great leader. She really motivates the team. Our defense, the back half of our team, really looked strong. It was one of our strengths last year. We were one of the best defensive teams in the country, led by Lexi Rodriguez, freshman of the year. She's the our libero. She did great. Again, some of our other defensive specialists also looked really well. They really liked to set up Kenzie Knuckles for the back row attacks, and she had some of those that didn't get down to the floor, but she could really swing it at them, and some of those are going to be surprising to some people she's a fun weapon to have back there so that is the college volleyball wrap-up it was a really fun experience and it makes me and my wife both really look forward to this fall season and now for the central city bison luke what's going on on the baseball diamond and in the track yeah i'll start off with track the cntc central nebraska track championships just took place and that is really the it's the area that the Grand Island Independent covers. So it's just central Nebraska area. And we brought our best track athletes to that competition. Tyler Carroll got second in the 100 meter high hurdles and actually broke the unofficially broke the Central City School record for hurdles. And that is an impressive accomplishment given the fact that Nate, I can't remember what his first name was. I think it was maybe Nathan Carlson or something. Currently held the record. And Vincent Ullman is another great hurdler that was at Central City who went on to hurdle for the Huskers just a couple years ago. And he also won excuse me, he won the 100 high hurdles, got second in the 300 hurdles. So that is pretty nice. We're happy for Tyler. And Elena McCarg competed in the 800 as well as the 400. She got second in the 800. 
and she got sixth in the 400. They also brought a boys four by one, and they got sixth, and that was pretty good. That was a pretty good accomplishment for them. They got to bring a couple guys that otherwise would not have been able to go, such as Bladen Cole and Derek Pfeiffer, who are the two and three legs. So overall, it was a pretty good meet for the Bison. As we shift over to the baseball diamond, the Central City Fullerton Centura Colonels, once again, it's a mouthful, but it's worth it. They are 19-1 and one and third in the Class B wildcard points. They dropped their first game a couple days ago to Platte Valley, which is a Division I loss. They're 16-5, and five, but they just recently picked up a couple good wins over Malcolm, Lincoln Christian, who is another Division I team, and Adams Central. They've got two more games left in, excuse me, yeah, two more regular season games and then a Lincoln High Invitational and then it's off to postseason play with conference districts and hopefully state. Well, that's all the time we have for today. But remember, God made you special and, and he, he loves, loves you, you very much. much. Bye.